Hi, everyone, and welcome to Bad on Paper podcast. I'm Olivia Mentor. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today we're going to do a three things episode. Tell me the preview of the things that you brought. Okay, my first thing is I want to get your thoughts on AI. Oh, okay. Specifically, if you're scared of it. Uh Uh-huh. And what do you think of this phenomenon of AI writing TV scripts, possibly Uh books? Uh Uh-huh. I want your thoughts. My second thing is I want to talk about hyperfixations, which I think is a trend I've seen. So I want to know what your current hyperfixation is, whether it's a meal, a celebrity story, both. I think I need you to define this more for me and get some examples before I can tell you if I have one in when we get into it. Okay. I can do that. And then my third thing is Nicolas Cage. Great. Yeah. Great. I have a fun little game we will play. Oh, fun. Bet you didn't see that one coming. No, but I love it. (laughs) All right. Tell me your three things. Um, My first thing is I have a time management topic that I'd like to talk about, and I'd like to talk about... Oh, goody. If you feel like you're good at time management or not, and if you feel like you overestimate or underestimate how long things will take you, Hmm. then I am so excited for the Barbie movie. I mean, it's coming soon in that it's never been sooner than it is right now, but it's still a little (laughs) far away. But I want to talk about if you were a Barbie, what three accessories would you come with? Oh. And then I want to do a little New York real estate gawking with you. And we'll we'll talk about it more later in the episode. Oh, that sounds great. All right. Well, before we get into all of those, let's talk about some highs and lows. Uh, Tell me about your high. Um, My high is that when this airs, I'm going to be going to Palm Beach tomorrow, and I'm so excited. I'm going on what has become an almost yearly girl trip. We we definitely skipped a few years during COVID, and then I think we just didn't get our act together last year. So I'm going with three of my best girlfriends to Palm Beach, and I'm so, so excited. And I'm also so, so excited because it's been pretty cold and dreary here, so I'm very excited to get some like pool time and to get some... I mean, I'm going on a Thursday, but I'm going to get like two days off from work. So I'm excited. That sounds lovely. The pool, sunshine. Sounds great. I got a, it's like you can tell right now, it's like almost dark out in my apartment. It's 354. It's just like so overcast or maybe rainy um, that it looks like nighttime in here. Um, But I just got, oh, you can't really tell. I got like a neon pink manicure. Um, So I am like ready to enter vacation mode. Is there anything more satisfying than the pre-vacation manicure? No, I mean, I think that part of the joy of a vacation is anticipating the vacation. Like, we have been talking about this vacation for six months leading up to it, how excited we are, what we're going to do, what we're going to wear, just everything. So, I mean, it has brought a lot of anticipatory joy even up through now without even having gone. I'm happy for you. Do you have any books you're saving for poolside reading? Ooh, so I have a copy of the new Ava Wilder book, the same author who wrote uh, How to Fake It in Hollywood. I can't remember the name of the new book, but it comes out later this year, which I'm excited about. And then I'm also going to bring Carly Fortune's new book, Meet Me at the Lake. And then, oh, I think there was one other in my pile that I was excited as a vacation read, but now I can't remember. Well, I'll, I'll check in on Instagram. Yeah. What about you? What's your high? My high is that I found this amazing chair on Facebook Marketplace. I saw it. It's so cute. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I feel like it looks something that would be very expensive in anthropology, but I agree. Um, it looks like a it was almost liberty type fabric. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's this really over the top floral, and it's called a bergere chair the style of it. I didn't know that I have since learned, but it's this huge chair and matching ottoman. It's like gigantic. It's the perfect reading chair. I saw it on Facebook marketplace and I have had like, I, I, I look on Facebook marketplace all the time and I obsessively save things that I like because it apparently helps the algorithm, but it just popped up and it was, it was almost two hours away in Connecticut. Yeah, it was bad. But at that point I was already committed to it. And I was like, I don't know if it will fit in our car. <gasps> Barely fit, barely, barely, barely fit. But it was just so satisfying because I don't know, there's just nothing like the feeling of finding something that you haven't seen in anyone else's house or or a store or whatever. And I just, I'm really happy with it. It felt like a nice little win. I probably shouldn't have been spending the money to be honest, but I'm, it was a good purchase. I think. How much was it? Was it a deal? It was $300, which I think is a good deal. Yeah. I think that's a good deal too. There's something also about like the thrill of the deal. Yeah, that would I mean, be way more in any like. Oh yeah, firsthand. I think it would be like two thousand dollars in anthropology or something. And then I think the upholstery itself, like reupholstering chairs and furniture, is extremely expensive. So I think even that would be more than what I paid for it. So I feel I feel good about it. I do too. Thanks. You can sit on it when you visit and read books. I can't wait. I saw that you're redoing your guest room, which I DM'd you to be like my room. We are. Yeah. It's the best room, I think, honestly. So I can't wait. It awaits you in six months to one year. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a, there's a lot to do. What's your low? My low is that I feel like a withered potato. Tell me and more. I don't know if I know what that feels like. I feel like a potato, a spud, if you will, mm-hmm. that has been buried in the earth for like a while. And I have not seen the sun. I'm, I'm, it's a drought as well. So I have not been drinking water. I don't know why. Okay. So just in protest, no water. Yeah. I, I don't, it's just like, I keep drinking coffee. I keep drinking tea. The water doesn't seem to appeal to me as much as it usually does. I, (laughs) that's, that's mostly the two things. Do you feel like a good source of potassium? Is that, is a potato a good source of potassium? I'm going to have to fact check myself right now. When I said potato, I meant more sort of the dry, dirt covered, lives in darkness kind of. <laughs> that, that was the essence I was going for. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Potatoes are very high in potassium. Okay. Well, I have that going for me in this scenario, at least. And you're, um, you're beloved. I mean, people love. I am beloved. Potatoes. I'm still not positive that I'm totally comprehending what it means to feel like a withered potato, but I'm sorry that you feel that way. Thank you. What's your low? So I already complained about this preemptively in a past episode. And oh, it was too soon. I was wrong. My allergies are out of control. Like if I thought that they were bad three or four weeks ago, whenever I I said that, They are 10 times worse now. Like I have taken so many COVID tests thinking that this has to be something other than allergies. And I really think it is just my allergies. I am stuffy and my throat is super raw. I was losing my voice yesterday. Like I am miserable. I'm sorry. That's the, I never get bad allergies, but I just know how miserable they are for some people. So I I feel for you. I heard, I don't know 
where what the source is if it's like the farmer's almanac or, or something but I've, I've heard that it's supposed to be a specifically very bad allergy season that's just unreasonable because it hasn't even been nice spring weather so that's just insulting it is insulting in but opinion. the other day I walked out of my house and there were just like those white pollen blobbies oh, yeah. just floating through the air and I was like you're why I feel this way <laughs> yeah they look like raindrops but pollen oh. evil pollen oh I'm sorry. Thank you. Well, let's take an ad break before we get into the things. So for a long time, I was absolutely obsessed with listening to true crime podcasts every single week, but now I'm finding that I'm looking for something a little lighter, a little cozier. And I also love podcasts that feel like just tuning into two friends conversation And if that sounds like you too, I have to suggest a thing or two with Claire and Erica. This is a podcast hosted by best friends and business partners, Claire Mazur and Erica Cerullo. They talk about everything from shopping and cooking to tougher topics like what to expect during menopause and deciding to have or not have children. It's the perfect mix of light and real. Like ours, their podcast has been around for years, and I know it's really intimidating to jump into a podcast with a big back catalog, but I promise you, you really can start anywhere. A lot of their episodes are kind of like our three things episodes where it's just a grab bag of topics that are on their mind. And if you feel like you need more background before jumping in, I have to recommend their episode from April 10th where they're reintroducing themselves so that you can catch up on who they are and all the necessary background information before diving in. I really do think that a thing or two has something for everyone. There's pop culture commentary, really honest discussions about motherhood, Claire has a toddler, the best fashion and lifestyle product picks. It's casual, smart, funny, and the epitome of easy, interesting listening. They do such a great job with their shopping picks in general. They used to own this great company called Of A Kind that stocked all kinds of, I guess, artisan gifts. Like think of jewelry pieces, office products, home accessories. So they're just so in the know when it comes to who's making the best of the best from bath towels to baby gifts to the perfect white t-shirt. So if you're looking to add a new podcast to your lineup, give A Thing or Two with Claire and Erica a try. Again, that's A Thing or Two with Claire and Erica, and it's available wherever you're listening to this. So let's talk about things. Yeah. Why don't you go first? Okay. I want to talk about AI, which I have brought up on here before, Yeah, which is interesting because it's not something I think about a lot. However, I feel like I'm seeing it on the news every day. Yeah. And this week, that executive from Google who had worked there for forever quit and is basically like, we should be afraid. (laughs) I did see that. And I didn't read deeper, but it gave me the heebie-jeebies just based on the headline. Yeah. I I. I read the article and he did have good things to say about Google too. He was like, I think Google's being responsible, which who knows. But my question for you is, does AI scare you as a concept? Like, do you find yourself thinking, oh, I guess I should worry about this? Yes and no. I mean, I feel like there's somewhat of an inevitability of it. And I feel like there will be plus sides as well. I mean, I think as a writer, there's a real there's a lot of really interesting conversations going on about like can AI replace authors or TV writers or things of that nature and I tend to think no and maybe that's just hubris but I just I think that the emotional depths and the specificity like I saw this thing this morning on Instagram where it was like AI couldn't write Miranda eating the cake out of the trash like that takes somebody <laughs> with like 
a long history of like low simmering depression. And it's like, I, I tend to agree that, you know, it could write, you know, maybe a, I don't know what's a good example, like a, a James Patterson, like a procedural type book or TV show. But I think it would really struggle to write anything with emotional depth. I think it will be hard to replicate more nuanced portrayals of human emotion. Yeah. And I think I that's why a lot of with people you. read or, or watch a lot of these TV shows. Like, can it write a, an episode of Law & Order SVU? Yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, definitely. A Hallmark movie, probably. <laughs> I, I think there is something interesting about, is there a case for using it as, and I'm not saying I... I support this but like using it as a template almost of like getting it to write you a first draft and then adding on top of that and then what does that mean for like people who are putting in the effort from scratch versus that like I think that's kind of an interesting debate I have seen that so there are certain literary magazines that pay for short stories and I have seen that those have been inundated with a sharp increase of submissions since chat GPT came on the scene because people are just having it generate like a short story and then submitting it. Really? Yeah. Well, I saw a book written by AI just came out. Yeah. I think that's like a gimmick type thing. Okay. Good to know. I don't know. What do you think? I tend to agree with you. Like for the same reason that people wouldn't necessarily pay more for a painting that's been created by like a digital program Uh or whatever. (laughs) I think people have some sort of emotional attachment when they know that there's a person who put in the work, like you said. But at the same time, I think it's really interesting in relation to this writer's strike that's going on right now. Mm -hmm. I was listening to a podcast where they said that when they negotiated in 2007, they were talking about streaming and how it was going to become more of a thing. And it was kind of just like, "Uh, I don't know. And now it's kind of the same thing that they're talking about, worrying about TV writers and movie writers being replaced with AI. And so I don't know. I kind of wonder, like, are we just brushing it off? And like in 10 years, we're just going to laugh (laughs) at us like, oh, wow, we really didn't have any idea or we should have been more worried or listen to people. I don't know. I think that if it gets to the point where it can capably write human emotion with such depth that it's in that you can't differentiate between what AI is writing and what a human is writing. I think we have far bigger problems as a society <laughs> yeah. than who's writing TV shows. I remain mildly scared of it, I think, going forward. Um, I saw somewhere on the internet somebody saying that the biggest threat that AI poses is deep fakes of world leaders and like misinformation. Right. I was like, oh yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Because did you see terrifying. the deep fake of um, Selena Gomez at the Met Gala? No. There was just like a photo. She was in a blue gown and it like it it literally looks indistinguishable than if she had been there. And there were wow, all these really scary. accompanying headlines on social media of like, Selena Gomez makes late appearance at the Met Gala. That's scary. Without, you know, having people who were there being like she wasn't there her, herself. And why would it. you question that? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But like it was. Yeah. The photo was like on that kind of like aqua fresh carpet. Like it looked for all intents and purposes. And it wasn't just her head on the on the body of someone who was there, I don't think. So it was like a gown that made sense. I don't know. Hmm. Well, tell us what you think about AI. <laughs> In the Facebook group for anyone listening. Tell me your first thing, Becca. Oh, my first thing is about time management. So I'm I'm kind of just 
thinking a lot about it in the context of really large projects and in your in my case like writing a book and you know how do you scope that how do you estimate how long something like that will take you and i want to know both like on a micro and a macro level like are you good at estimating how long things will take you and or do you overestimate or do you underestimate hmm that is a great question I feel like the bigger the project, the more I underestimate how much time it will take. Okay. If that makes sense. Because I think that if I have a small task that I can break down into like a week or a day, I'm pretty good at like breaking it down and making sure it happens. However, I think I consistently overestimate my ability to stay on track for Mm -hmm. a long period of time and stay consistent. And so – Say if it's like, I don't know, for example, you're like, I'm going to write a book in three months and I have to write this many words a day for that to happen. Like I might do that for the first month, but in- inevitably by month two, I'm kind of slowing down a bit, which I think is kind of human nature and for the most part. Yeah, I'm not sure. What about you? Well, it's interesting because I, when I set my goals for the year, I said my goal was to write two drafts of a second book this year year, which is a fully realistic goal and is something that will happen. But then something happens when I get into the project and it's like going well in the beginning phases. I like revise my timeline down or I like, I'm like, oh, I can do it faster than I thought. And then I like talk myself into a faster timeline that makes no sense and then get upset when I don't hit it. Yeah, that's also happened to me. I get that. Where I was like, yeah, it's fully realistic goal to do two drafts of a book this year. Or maybe I said by September. I can't remember either or. I was like, okay, these mm-hmm. are both like fine. That's fine. Yeah. But then I'm like, oh, maybe I can finish a second draft by the end of May. And I'm like, no, you can't. Yeah. Like I totally understand that. <laughs> yeah. I also think I like confuse what's physically possible sure. with like what will feel good mesh with my life. Yeah. Because like I know that I am not going to work past six. Like I will not do it unless I literally have the biggest deadline of my Mm -hmm. life looming. I I just – my brain shuts off. I just can't do it, which I think is a good thing. But then I'll build these deadlines that like will require me to work later than that or on weekends. And like I just – something kicks in in me where I'm like I don't want to. I can't. (laughs) So that happens to me too. That's also why I'm hopeful that keeping a journal – will help keep me realistic because I feel like also looking back on a project after you've completed it, you kind of look at it through rose-colored glasses and you forget all the hard parts. So Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful that by like keeping a journal about, you know, I want to keep it about other things, but I do want to keep it about my debut year and about writing. I think that could be helpful to help me set better time expectations in the future because I've realized that I'm, I don't think I'm great at this time management being on like a macro scale. Okay. But but then on a micro scale, I overestimate how much time I need for something on small tasks all the time. I'm like, I need to send three emails. Oh my God, it's going to take me an hour. It takes five minutes, you know? like (laughs) Yeah. Like the way that I build up small tasks and how long they'll take me. Like this afternoon, for example, I had to go close our old bank account for our old LLC for Bat on Paper. I have moved this around on my calendar for months, putting off doing it. And I'm like, this is going to take me all afternoon. It's going to take me – it's going to take hours. It took me 15 minutes. Like it – Yeah. 
I mean, part of it is like a mental block of tasks you don't want to do. But I'm also like, I genuinely think in my head that things are going to take so much longer than they do. Oh, yeah. I have to return something. And it's like, I got it through Etsy and I have to return it to like Morocco. And so I have to like, and I'm literally, I've been putting it off for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah, because you're like, Like, it's going to take 47 years. Because I don't know, like, I've never done it before. That's really the essence Mm. of it. Like, I've never, you know, done this specific return process. And yeah, maybe I should remember this going forward. <laughs> Even with things like making a doctor's appointment, you're like, got to clear my calendar. got to make a doctor's oh appointment this morning. And you're like, it, t- yeah. it took five minutes. Oh, I- I'm the same way. I, wonder- I think this is probably a universal thing where the things that take no time, every all of us put off. Yeah, I think so too. We're all just self-sabotaging over here. I think so too. But I would be curious if, if anyone has any tips with helping to realistically scope very large long-term projects because same something that I'm I don't think I'm great at I'd love to know too yeah what's your next thing uh my next thing is hyperfixations. okay and explain this to me yes okay so the way I see it described the most mostly on TikTok is like hyperfixation meals so mm-hmm. you make one thing you love it so much you make it every day for four months okay kind of thing or every week or you get into one routine and you like it so much that you keep going for, you know, a long period of time until you find something else you like. That kind of thing. Does anything come to mind immediately for you? If not, I can talk about mine. Not really. I, I definitely don't do this with food. I feel like if anything, like I get sick of things pretty quickly. Like I, I don't think I could eat the same thing for breakfast, for instance, for four months. The one thing that I do think that I get hyper fixations on, although I don't know if this is like technically within the definition is songs and listening to the same song on repeat or like the same song over and over and over until I hate it. Interesting. Which tell me about your recent songs. Ooh, let me look. Hold please. I had one earlier this winter with the album uh, Stick Season by Noah Kahan. Oh yeah. I had like a deep hyper fixation where I would just put it on the album not just an individual song and just mm-hmm. listen to it for like it's a great weeks. Album. It was all I listened to. Um, oh, I'm I'm kind of having a hyperfixation moment with all of the girls you loved before by Taylor Swift, which was one of the vault songs that got released recently. Okay. I hadn't I haven't heard that one yet. I've listened to that on oh, I've listened to that on repeat a lot. It's from the lover era. Um also, oh, the new Hozier song, Eat You're Young. It's a good one. I can listen to that on repeat for like an hour walk. So I think I get it with music, but I don't think I get it with food. That's fair. Are there any other areas of life that you could get it in? I get it with podcasts. Oh, okay. I just listen to one podcast like like every day when I shower, for example. Oh, I can see that. I've definitely gone through phases where like I'm not a completionist usually, Mm -hmm. meaning like if I start a new podcast, I don't need to go back to the beginning and listen to all of the episodes, but there yeah, are some yeah. podcasts that I will get into that like hyperfixation with. Okay. Interesting. Like I when I discovered the shit no one tells you about writing, yeah. Their back catalog wasn't as deep as it is now, but like, you know, there were probably like 50 episodes. And I remember list like I downloaded not all of them, but probably like 25 of the ones that had topics that appealed to mm-hmm. me and I listened to all of them. Oh, nice. I love that podcast. What's your hyperfixation shower podcast? So recently, it's been this podcast called Writer's Routine. Oh. Which, have you ever listened? No, but it sounds like something I would like. 
I, I found it because Danya Kukovka, who wrote uh, Notes on an Execution, was interviewed on it and she shared it. And so that's how I found it. But basically, it's just writers talking about their specific writing routine. Every episode starts with them describing the place where they write in detail. And then they go into like what font they use, what programs they mm. use. And then it talks about more like how do you write on a bigger scale? Like how do you plot? How do you plan? And so it's a male uh, host and he interviews a lot of male authors and I skip all of those. <laughs> What's the name of it? No offense to men. It's called Writer's Routine. Okay. I'm writing this down. So I listen to all of the non-binary and female authors. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I can't relate to a male writer for some reason. But it's just very relaxing because it's always the same format. Mm. And um, it's a lot of British people. So, you know, oh. soothing accents. And uh, yeah, I really recommend it. So that's my my latest one. Okay. Do you ever have hyperfixations on food? So we tend to eat the same things for dinner every week. Oh, really? Like yeah, Mondays you have blank, Tuesdays you have blank. Not like each day of the week has an assigned meal, but like usually like we always have Caesar salad like one day a week. We always have like taco bowls one day a week. Mm. And then since we moved here, we've been doing salmon with rice and vegetables and kimchi and then spicy mayo and it's so good and it's so easy and it's actually relatively affordable so i i love that i never get sick of it ever it's very satisfying i've had hyper fixation restaurant meals like when i used to work in an office i would go to dig in every day for a while and i would get the same lunch Or I would go to Sweet Green every day and I would get the same salad. So I've definitely had it mm-hmm. with restaurant meals, but I've never had it, I don't think, with something I eat at home. Interesting. I, I just – it's more of like an ease thing, yeah. I guess, where I'm just like, oh, I don't have to think about this. And it helps – it makes it very – it makes it a lot easier to budget for groceries as well. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Not very exciting though. What's your next thing? Oh, my next thing is in preparation for the Barbie movie. If you oh, yes. were a Barbie – what three accessories would you come with? And I'm amending it. Also, what outfit would you come with? Okay, so do, does this is this like I can choose anything, or is this like it has to be a Barbie accessory that I remember? As oh a child? no, it can be anything. It just has to be representative of you. Okay. Well, I'm gonna choose one Barbie accessory that I remember as a child. Sure. It's top of mind, the dolphin, the Barbie dolphin. I don't remember um, that at all. It had a little button on its stomach and it made a sound. The sound sort of like a person laughing, which is horrifying. I saw it the other day online and I just was like, oh my God, my childhood in a t- plastic dolphin. Oh, wow. So I will have the dolphin. What would I be wearing? That represents. Okay. So I would definitely be wearing a floral, bright midi dress mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and sneakers, like Converse. Kay. That would definitely be me. I would have, what else would I would have as my accessory? I mean, if we're being honest, I'd probably have my phone glued to my little plastic hand, but... Sure, no, that counts. (laughs) Okay. Dolphin, cell phone, we're covering all of the essentials here. And maybe like a little notebook. Okay, cute. And and a fun hot pink pen. Cute. What would yours be? Okay, so I think my three accessories would be I'd have a can of LaCroix, just like a little... (laughs) Yeah. A little can of maybe like Pomplamoose LaCroix. Love that. Um, I'd have a miniature copy of my own book and I'd be like oh, honking cute. it on people. I'd be like, Wait, I have book. to stop you. Did you just 
did you pick this one just so Maddie, our social media person, will create the most epic Barbie-fied <sighs> images of us for social? I didn't, but it's it's a good <laughs> it is a good tangential benefit that I did not consider. Okay, amazing. Go on. Um, and then my third accessory would be a pair of really practical walking shoes. Um, mm. Not that I'm like super associated with walking shoes, but just you know so that I could take my Barbie walk. Yeah, of course. Um, and I think as for what I'd be wearing, I think I would be wearing, I agree with you. I think I'd be wearing a midi dress, but I think instead of floral, mine would kind of just be like an abstract, like very brightly colored pattern. Like I have this dress that's kind of like hot pink and orange and blue, and it might be that dress. Mm-hmm. I, I wore it a lot last year. You've probably seen it on Instagram. The Mr. Zimmy dress. Yep. The Mr. Right? Zimmy dress. Yep. yep. Um, And then I'd probably be wearing some kind of like block heel situation, like a low block heel sandal. Cute. Mm-hmm. Love it. You know, because I have walking shoes to change into, so. Right. And your feet are like that weird shape, so you need options. Exactly. Exactly. For comfort. Mm-hmm. I mean, we sound like a good time. We do. Barbies. I feel like I didn't really uh, – live up to my part of the bargain you came with a dolphin like who's gonna buy me (laughs) well i have also have a cell phone strapped to my tiny plastic hand so that's not as appealing it's your business dolphin (laughs) the dolphin also has a cell phone it's it's on its fin so (laughs) together we will be taking over the world it's fine it's like instead of having a car phone you have a dolphin phone like let me call you on my dolphin Exactly. Wow. Are you not worried at all about getting your outfit wet or your cell phone wet for that matter? Uh, when I go swimming with the dolphin? Yeah. I mean, I think the dolphin lives in water as dolphins are wont to do. I mean, maybe in your world, but this is my Barbie world. Maybe the dolphin walks on land. Weird. What would a dolphin walk <laughs> like? Um, It would be more of a hop, I think. Oh, okay. The way I would like a jaunt. A jaunty sure, sure. hop. Okay. But it's kind of like also aquatic. So kind of mm. like those boats where they can go from the road to the sea. Like a duck boat? Like one of those tour boats that they have in Boston that you can like. <laughs> Maddie is listening to this, preparing the image for Instagram. It just keeps adding things. <laughs> I think, what would you price yours at? full set with all the accessories and outfit. Oh, reasonable. I'd I'd, I'd want to be accessible. I'd I'd be 19.99. How much does a Barbie okay. cost? Is that right these days? You could tell me anything. I no I'd be the average Barbie price. Okay. What would you be? I would go a little higher end. I would well, want to come with a, little- a you come with a, a land-faring <laughs> dolphin. Exactly. It would be the more exclusive like sort of pairing. It would be a little niche too, let's be honest. So I would say like I would go for a solid 34.77. Okay. Specific. Mm-hmm. But I, I would hit my target audience that way, I think. I like that you know your worth. Oh, thank you so much. Moving on. <laughs> and now to Nicolas Cage. I love Nicolas Cage. I Me too. For many years with one of my best friends, we have this joke of like, what is your Con Air? Because for both of us, like multiple times, Con Air is the movie that if it's on on TBS, I will not be leaving until it's over. I don't have cable anymore, but like we have both like postponed plans with each other multiple times because we're like, Con Air is on. 
I can't I can't meet you until it's over. I love it. Connor is the movie that I will always watch if it is on TV through its completion. I don't know if I've ever seen it. But like, but you recognize it's bad. Like it's like the movie that's like you know, you can't be like, yeah, I'll always watch The Godfather. Like it has to be like a pretty bad movie that you're like, but I will always watch this. I feel that way about National Treasure. Okay. I've never seen National Treasure. Oh, it's good. It's actually good, I think. When you... But Nicolas Cage is such that, like, you don't really know if he's good or bad. You know, like, it's almost like he kind of transcends whether some good or bad actor. He's just Nicolas Cage. Have you ever seen The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent? Yes, I have. Oh, okay. Is that why this came up? (laughs) Uh, No, it came up because I saw a headline today about him. Well, I've had a long fascination with the strangeness, which is Nicolas Cage, I should add. Oh, wait. But um, The reason I brought up The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent is because Pedro Pascal is also in it. I'm actually afraid to mention Pedro Pascal publicly again because I swear to God, people send me 10 to 15 memes of Pedro Pascal a day, which for the record, I appreciate, but it's overwhelming. It is. It's very overwhelming. Anyway, I was inspired to choose this as a thing because I saw a headline um, from an interview of his where he's... (laughs) where he said that he has vivid memories of being in his mother's womb. Oh. And described it in detail. And I just mm-hmm. thought, this is the strangest man that exists publicly, and why aren't we talking about it more as a country? I don't think he's the strangest man to exist publicly. I think that that is that he was born into a famous family and has been famous for so long that people don't tell him when he's being dumb and that he has just like that's true gotten to a point where nobody has corrected this and been like nicholas that's actually physically impossible and he just (laughs) is allowed to believe it because nobody says to him like no nick you dummy you didn't well i think we should put that to the test because i have come up with 10 nicholas cage facts some are real some are not and I'd like you to guess. I love a game. <laughs> I'd like you to guess which are true. So I started out with an easy one. Sure. Which you you already answered, which is that he is Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. True or false? True. You True. It is true. Second, he once stole a chihuahua from the set of a movie. True. False. Oh. He was accused of doing that in a memoir by a fellow actor. But it was a lie, which she later admitted, and he then sued her for libel. Love. But it does seem like something he would do. We should play more Uh, games on this podcast. I'm loving this. (laughs) Great. The third one. He once woke up to a naked home intruder at the foot of his bed, wearing nothing but a leather jacket. Absolutely true. 100% true. And I'd like to add, the home intruder was also eating a... can Can you guess what he was eating when he... Stood at the foot of Nicolas Cage's bed. Klondike bar. Very close. A fudge sickle. (laughs) (laughs) Which my favorite part of this is the quote from Nicolas Cage in interviews is like, it sounds funny, but it was really terrifying. And I'm like, yeah, it does sound absolutely horrifying. (laughs) Okay. Next one. He owns an ancient dinosaur skull that he paid $276,000 for. False. That's Leonardo DiCaprio. It is false, but it was kind of a trick one because he did pay $276,000 for a dinosaur skull, which he owned. But then turns out someone stole it from the Mongolian desert and he had to return it to them because it was stolen. 
But doesn't Leonardo DiCaprio own like a collection of fossils, dinosaur fossils? I don't know. Okay. If there's two celebrities that I, I, I guess it's possible. Maybe he stole the dinosaur head. I don't think he's stealing it. I think he's like buying them at auction. Um, okay, next one. He once took psychedelic mushrooms with his cat. True. It is true. Uh, I'll give you this quote. I remember lying in my bed for hours and Lewis, Lewis is the cat. <laughs> Sorry. Lewis is the was cat. On, <laughs> and Lewis was on the desk across from the bed for hours. We were just staring at each other, not moving, but he would stare at me and I had no doubt that he was my brother. Right. <laughs> okay, final one. Sure. He was once arrested and his bail was paid by Dog the Bounty Hunter. False. True. Was Dog the Bounty Hunter just a bud of his? It's unclear. Dog the Bounty Hunter has said that he protects the privacy of his clients, so he won't comment on it. Okay. But he's like Dog the Bounty Hunter, not Dog the Bailsmith. I know. It's confusing. I had to check it four times. It doesn't seem like the right... It doesn't seem like a client It was like $11,000 or something. Huh. Okay. Hmm. Um... Anyway, I could have kept going. That's how much there is in the world of Nicolas Cage. That was really I think, fun. I think you're right. No one is drawing a hard line <laughs> in his life anywhere. Yeah. He's been married five times. Some, the man is just going off the rails. He needs some real talk in his life. Yeah, he needs some help. Uh, or just a new dinosaur skull. Like Maybe that would kind of set him back to some sort of equilibrium. I'm not sure. I think he needs a quest. I think he needs uh, a mission that's bigger than himself. I think he, he did try to find the Holy Grail in real life. Yeah, he needs something like that that is achievable. <laughs> he needs to achieve it first, yeah. I think. Yeah, like he needs like um, an epic escape room. Oh, oh my God. Can you? I can't imagine few like things. Like a years long escape room. More entertaining or terrifying than being locked in an escape room with Nicholas No, it's Cage. just him. It's like a Truman Show situation where it's like the world's largest escape room. It's a multi-year experiment, and he has to persevere within it. There's kind of a survivor aspect of it where maybe there's only a certain amount of food in each room. Like, I, I think he needs that, that type of like a good challenge. show. It sounds great. Very great. Free idea. Yeah, anyone can, can do that. Okay, enough Nicolas Cage. What is your third thing? So, I don't know if you've seen this on the internet today. But Miranda Priestley's townhouse from The Devil Wears Prada is for sale. Really? Yes. And we have some pretty epic photos on the real estate listing. So I will will put the real estate listing in the Facebook group and also in the show notes. If you don't know how to access the show notes, there's there's highlights for it on our Instagram profile. Um this house is uh uh, on East 73rd Street on the Upper East Side. It's listed mm. for $27.5 million. It Holy is 12,000 square feet in New York City. Oh, I know this house. I know this house. From the outside? Yes, because I used to live on the Upper East Side. Oh. So if you look through the photos, it is interesting. I mean, it's beautiful. It's seven floors. Holy cow. There is some really... Interesting carpet choices, I will say. You don't see that every... Oh, I see the car. It's the rugs. Or is it... No, I think if you get to some of the bedroom photos, it's actually carpet. Oh, okay. 
Um, wow. It, it just is kind of stunning to think about like somebody lived here. If you get far enough, there's what appears to be currently or was a teen girl's bedroom. I just got to that one. Oh, with the pink and white checkerboard tile around the fireplace. Oh, it's very cute. And the bathroom. The bathroom has that tile. Um, And it has that like egg chair. I'm like, can you imagine growing up in that townhouse? Oh, my God. The bathroom is so cute. It's so cute. (gasps) No, you I'm sorry. You cannot grow up in this townhouse and be a normal person. I was trying to figure out who lived here, who owned it, but I, I couldn't figure it out. I didn't search super hard. I gave it 10 minutes, but. Um, oh, man. It's beautiful. There's a surprise basketball court on the top floor. For $27.5 I would hope so. It's gorgeous. I want to know any, like, what are your thoughts here? I mean, I just can't even wrap my head around numbers like that. I know. Like, same. I, but it's beautiful. I would never have recognized that this is Miranda Priestley's with the stairs and the entryway, you wouldn't? I don't think so. Oh, the stairs are pretty iconic to me. <laughs> My favorite thing about the listing is you get to the end and the floor plan, because there's seven floors, it's just like, it looks like tw- like a million houses in I one know. floor plan. <laughs> like, I know. Crazy. There's also oh my gosh. a few rooms that have some pretty epic built-in bookshelves that are really gorgeous. It's really beautiful. In addition to being Miranda Priestley's house from the Devil Wars Prada, it's also the house in the Gossip Girl series finale where Dan and Serena get married. Oh, that checks out. Uh-huh. I feel like the wow. stairs in it are pretty iconic. That's how I would recognize it as Miranda Priestley's house. Did you see an article about this or did you see it and just like know it was the house? No, I saw an article about it. Okay. it's. I mean, it's beautiful. I would take it. Like, you know, I mean, sure. Who wouldn't? <laughs> there is something really weird about it that so there's on the first floor, there's an eaten kitchen. There's like a beautiful, beautiful kitchen. Mm-hmm. But then the dining room is on the second floor. And there's, I guess what I would call like a butler's kitchen, like a very tiny galley kitchen off the dining room. It does not yeah. seem super well arranged for. I bet there's an eating. elevator. There is an elevator. There is an elevator. Oh, of course, obviously. And the dining room is like quite small. It like it seems to have a dining table for about six. It was renovated in two thousand five, which explains a lot. What What does that explain? I just feel like a lot of the finishes are different than they would be. Like I think they're really nice, but I think they're different than they would be if it was renovated in, you know, twenty fifteen or whatever. Okay. Like maybe that explains the carpet. Oh, yeah. The carpet, it, it kind of gives like business traveler hotel. Yeah. In some of the, the bedrooms. is. There's also that really all wood modern. room. Um, yeah. And the, apparent, the gym. I think the wood paneled room is where uh, Miranda tells uh, Andy that she's going to Paris instead of Emily. Oh, iconic iconic yeah gosh what teen girl lived here the basketball court makes me think like uh, some well i don't know why, why would you have a basketball court unless you're like a basketball player or or, or related to well basketball? i was thinking maybe there was a teen girl and a teen boy because there's that bedroom with the striped wallpaper that i think oh, that looks like it could be a, a, a boy's room it, it it does look like a little business boy ish <laughs> well i mean like i think it, you have to be a little business boy for going up in this family like it's a boy who wears suits for unexplained oh, reasons, yes. but oh, it, I yes. think that is a a teen boy's bedroom. Oh, there's a jacuzzi. 
Oh, yeah. Wow. They included the Devil Wears Prada detail in the listing. Ooh. Description. Ooh. An exciting opportunity. Oh, how I would love to be so rich that me spending almost $30 million is just me taking advantage of an opportunity instead of, I don't know. I don't know what. So a a friend of mine went on a date recently and it wasn't a first date. It was like a, maybe a third date. And as their date, they went and pretended to be interested buyers in (gasps) buying Kelly Ben Simone's apartment in the old police precinct building in this is my dream nolita and they they went and toured it and kelly ben simone was the person who walked them around kelly ben simone from real housewives of new york she was the person who like toured them around the house there was no real estate agent and they just like she showed it to me it was also like a very specific decor that involved a lot of like cultural appropriation and like sounds about right (laughs) animal skins and like there were there was a lot of elements to it there's pictures online Uh um but they just they pretended to be interested buyers in this in this apartment and i was like that's a great date that sounds so fun we should do that when i'm in new york sure i don't know i don't know what celebrity homes are available how do i tap into that information what about this one? I feel like 27 and a half million, you have to like provide proof of Yeah, income. we don't look 27 and a half million rich. <laughs> How dare you? Speak for yourself. I have a dolphin. Oh, also Kelly Benson's apartment. It wasn't for sale. It was it was for rent, but it was a fully furnished rental. You had to take her you had to take How much her, was it? Oh, I want to say it was maybe like 10 or 15,000 dollars a month. That's not as much as Yeah, I, I know. Thought. It was like a lot, but it wasn't like so right. much that you were like, I don't know. But yeah, you had oh. to take her ugly furniture. Interesting. Anyway, if you if you enjoy real estate gawking, I recommend this link highly. Me too. We'll put a link in the Facebook group so we can talk about our favorite details and, and what we would change about it. Because that that butler's kitchen definitely needs redoing. For $27.5 million, like that ugly ass cherry wood kitchen? No. I bet you whoever buys this will redo everything, which is all very beautiful, but I'm sure someone with that much money just will completely. Well, yeah, you don't want to buy a $27.5 million house to have it not be exactly what you want. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I say, like, someone who. (laughs) Oh, how long would it take to renovate something like this? How much money? Well, no, how much time? If you have enough money, everything takes less time. That's fair. But what appears to be the master bathroom is also really ugly. I didn't think it was ugly. I did. Nothing is ugly. The vanities? Cool. I mean, they're just 2005. This reminds me of the house that I imagined in um, that book we read about that terrible family uh, when we were bright and beautiful. Oh, I wasn't. That wasn't a townhouse. It was in an apartment building. But just the vibe of it, like the. Okay. Austere, slightly dated, but still very nice vibe. Yeah, I was picturing it more like much more classic, like those red and blue patterned rugs, leather furniture, almost like men's cigar club is how I was picturing that house. I see that too. I definitely see that. Would you keep the basketball court? No, absolutely (laughs) not. What would you turn it into? Okay, I don't know if this is possible, although with enough money, I'm sure anything is, is I would like to turn it into a small swimming pool up there and I would like to have yeah. a retractable roof on it is what oh, I would want. It's definitely possible if you're buying this. It's it's 100% possible. Okay, then that. What would you turn it into? 
I guess probably that. Or like it could be really cool to make it a greenhouse and have like a really cool terrarium plant room. Yeah, I think like a pool slash really cool outdoor gardening space would be awesome. Oh, it would be super cool if you kept the walls and then you had the retractable roof on the pool so it could be an indoor pool in the winter. Yeah, that'd be so nice. Uh, Do you want to go in on this? Do you have a spare uh, 13.75 mil? Yeah. It's just, let me get it. Okay, great. (laughs) I I mean, if Jake Jake goes in on it with us too, it's only like about 9 million a person. Great. It's a really typical second home. So I think it'll be great for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not a forever home, but, you know, (laughs) what can you do? I'll take the first two floors. You can have the rest. Oh, the 2022 taxes on this was $186,000. That's nothing if you're buying this. Absolutely nothing. I want to know what this sells for, though, so we should keep an eye on it. We should. Let us know if you buy it and want to have us over. We'd love to come to your housewarming. We'll bring something that's probably less nice than you're wanting. (laughs) We'll bring ourselves. That's all we have to offer at this point. We'll bring a mid, mid-level mid bottle of wine. Yes, exactly. Shall we get out of things and into end matter? Yeah. Tell me about your obsession. Okay. So I sleep with a sleep mask on. Do you? No. Oh. It, I, I lived in a super bright and sunny apartment in San Francisco, and I've just never been able to break myself of sleeping with a sleep mask. I used to sleep with earplugs and I did break myself of that. It's very inconvenient to have these sleep crutches because whenever you travel or you're somewhere less ideal, Mm -hmm. it makes it so much harder to sleep. Yeah. So anyway, I used to buy fancy silk sleep masks and I feel like I would go through them pretty quickly because they would stretch out. Maybe I just have a big head, but they would stretch out and then they would like float up during the night and I would like wake up not wearing it. So I looked on Amazon and I got these sleep masks. It's a pack of three from a brand called Salyov. Hmm. It, I imagine it's disreputable. I, I can't imagine that this is like <laughs> high quality, but it does claim to use 100% silk and okay. it is $8.98 for a pack of three. So now I'm just like really willy-nilly with my sleep masks. Yeah. I mean, you could have a whole drawer of them. Well, I don't have a whole drawer, but I like have one in my suitcase that I keep there for traveling so I never forget it again. Oh, that's smart. Um, I have one that I got a lot of mascara on and I'm like, whatever. Bye. Because <laughs> I don't know if they're machine washable. I love washable. the idea that, you're, that you wouldn't take your makeup off, but then you would put the, the sleep mask on. Yeah. To just really Priorities. seal it in. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I I just am buying a second pack of these, but um, I really have been enjoying my $3 sleep masks. Nice. Yeah, I've never really gotten into sleep masks, but maybe I'll try sometime. Um, what are you obsessed with? I don't have an obsession this week. Oh. Sorry. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Nicholas Cage, I guess. What about reading? You do have a new book. I do. So I finished this book called Old Flame by Molly Prentice, who I'd never read anything by before. I think she has one other book. Um, This was one of the most unique books I've ever read. I don't think I have ever read a book that's in this style. It's about a woman. 
I think she's maybe in her 30s living in New York who becomes unexpectedly pregnant and deals with that. And it is just a very interesting writing style. Um, I thought it was really moving in some parts and in other parts just incredibly depressing. And I can't say that like, I don't know, do you ever read a book where you're like, I don't know if I'm smart enough to get this? Sure. <laughs> like, I mean, I also like, watch <laughs> la- last week's Succession and I was like, I understood 5% of this. <laughs> That's me every single week with Succession. Um, like, why are they biting each other? I'm so confused. Um, anyway, so I liked it because it was refreshing to read something that was so different than anything I've read recently. But Yeah. It was confusing for me. We'll say that. Okay. Mixed bag review. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What did you read? I read The Celebrants by Stephen Rowley, who is the author of The Gunkle. And this comes out May 30th. I loved this. Oh. I loved this. He just won some big fancy award. I can't remember the name of it. For humor. So he has like a very humorous style of writing, Mm -hmm. even though the topic of this book is pretty dark. So the book is about a group of five college friends and their sixth friend dies under circumstances that it's unclear whether he died by suicide or it was an accidental overdose. Um, But the remaining five of them make this pact that at the lowest point of each of their lives, they'll hold a living funeral for each other to make sure that everyone knows how much they're valued and that nothing goes left unsaid. And so in the present timeline, it's uh, one of their funeral weekends. And then in the past, it goes through all of the past living funerals that they've had. And it's very much about long-term friendships. And it's also, I heard him on a podcast interview talking about how he watched the movie The Big Chill, which is supposedly about middle age, and realized that everyone in the movie is 35. And so <laughs> he's in his early 50s. And so he wrote the book as also kind of like a meditation on middle age. But the book is so good. It's so, the writing is so funny. I loved it. I love this premise so much. So I'm really curious to check this one out. I'll tell you, like, I am picking June's book club pick, and this is a strong contender. I have a few others that I want to read. Because I really want to read it. (laughs) I have a few others that I want to read first, but it could be. Oh, yay. It could be. I thought this was so, so good. All right. Well, If you want to join us for May's Book Club, we're reading Happy Place by Emily Henry, and we'll be discussing all things Emily Henry. So if you have any thoughts on your favorite Emily Henrys or you want us to play uh, Fuck, Mary Kill with some of your favorite Emily Henry characters, just you can call us, you can email us, you can put something in the Facebook group. Send your your land-faring dolphin with a message. (laughs) You can always do that. That's that's a given. Um, you can also find us on Instagram at Battle on Paper Podcast, and I'm on Instagram at Olivia Mentor. I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman, and please pre-order my book, The Christmas Orphans Club, which comes out September 26th. Yes, do that. Or have your dolphin do it. I, Both of you. One copy for the dolphin, one copy for you. Everyone's happy. Everyone's engaged. Can dolphins read? You read I it to your yes. dolphin. You read it to your dolphin. I get it. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say they could read, but maybe not. Okay. All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> goodbye, everyone. Bye.
it's true. Maybe I need to tell myself this. Like, maybe I am withered and living in darkness. Yeah, but one day you could be a French fry. Exactly. Just give me some time. What a glow up. Well, <laughs> thank you. This is what I'm going to tell myself now to feel better. I'm sorry. Just imagining myself as a fried potato. Thank you.